I'll only do it for a worthy cause, virginity or menopause. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. This is the Peach and Black podcast, and we've got everyone in the house today to talk about the controversy review. So, from left to right, Captain. That's right. Toe Jam. <laughs> I'm not going to stop until the war is over. <laughs> Player. You belong to Peach and Black. <laughs> and MC, that's me, and we're all back in the same room once again. Getting ready to review the 30th anniversary of Controversy, the album, 1981. It was released. Today. Can you believe it? Yeah, today. 30 years ago today. The 14th of October, 1981. Wow. Unbelievable. 30 years of funk since <laughs> Controversy was released. I, I don't think I've ever been as shocked uh, in doing this show as I am at the moment. I just can't believe it's been 30 years. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah. I wasn't even born. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it well, is so in- far, this this is the oldest album we've reviewed so far. Mm. We haven't done anything before Controversy. That's true. Uh, so this is a controversial episode, <laughs> Captain. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, okay. Eight tracks. And before we get into our track-by-track talk, has anyone got anything to say about this album, just in a general sense, or any particular comments before we go into what we think of each individual song, musically, context-wise, anything at all? Toe Jam did. I think it was probably the first of the older albums that I got. I definitely got the hits first, and then maybe Rave Unto after that. And then this was pretty early on. This was definitely the first. Like, I had this before I had 1999, Purple Rain, all those older albums. This was the first of that sort of older ones I had. And I remember thinking it sounded really tinny just to the stuff I was listening to at the time. I can't believe I felt that Mm -hmm. because I've totally changed my mind on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I could jump in very quickly, um, I can't believe how similar we are to Jim because the hits two was the first, from memory, the first album that I actually got. It really got me into Prince. And obviously... Controversy, the song, opens that up. And that was really the thing that got me hooked. And I'll I'll talk more about the song, obviously, when we get into it. But I think after that, Controversy might have been the second or third album I got as well. So it was um, on heavy rotation and, yeah, kind of at the very early stages of just getting into the music. So it's kind of holds a special place. Yeah, the same reason, I think. I've got the Warner Brothers original Masters version, which I still remember buying at Brashes. Do you guys remember Brashes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is saying, you know, this is probably like 15 years ago or something. I don't even think yeah, Brashes remembers Brashes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the album was already 15 years old or so when I bought it. It's probably, it was probably the fourth or fifth album that I bought. I can't, I, I don't remember what I bought first, but it would have been, it was pretty close to the start. And I, I played it about 8,000 times. <laughs> so we all got I know it, this album really, pretty really well. <laughs> Player, where, do you remember th- when, when you got this? Or? I got it um, around the Batman era. Okay. I got into this. And at the time, Warner Brothers 
release were releasing like double set albums. So like they'd have like various artists and they'd have two albums. Two up. On one release. Double up. Yeah, kind of like that. And I got it on cassette and side A was Dirty Mind and side B was Controversy. So I got like, I was really excited because I got two two albums in, in one day and it was just like really, really kick-ass albums. So, and yeah, now did you favorite. send that off to Minneapolis when he asked about all those unauthorized Warner's releases? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. No. The cause, the cause. Oh. That's it. Yeah. No. I, got, I got mine at Red Eye Records, I just remember now. Oh. Uh, yeah, back in when they were still on uh, George Street. Yeah, let me go. King Street. They charge, they charge you downstairs in the mall. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, King Street. How much? Yeah, I I think I paid like twenty five bucks or something. Yeah, <laughs> something ridiculous. But yeah, that was a that was interesting times. Very early, very very early days. And this um and this is controversy it was Prince's fourth official studio album. But he was what twenty three years old. Uh, had turned 23 a few months before the, this album's release. So, you know, four albums in, 23 years old, pretty, well, very early in, in, in his career, but already kind of starting to, to break from that underground scene a little bit in mm. Minneapolis. And, and I think by, by this stage, he seemed to to be um, kind of the local star from 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 the stuff yeah. that that we've read etc so it's a it's a very it, you know it's just before that groundbreaking 1999 release but just after the first three albums where he was kind of finding his voice so and he's probably still to me that here. to me this is the first real prince album that he's that he's prince you know the prince that we know yeah yeah i mean I for you that. was just a big demo uh the prince album was you know <laughs> just like a stylist different styles of soul yeah, pop music but, and dirty mind was yeah, Dirty Mind was pretty close, but I'd say it's, for me, it's the first real Prince album. I think Dirty Mind is what is what defines him. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think Dirty Mind is the precursor to this, but uh, I think the synths on this is what this is. How, this is the beginning of the classic Prince sound for me. Minneapolis, mm-hmm. Minneapolis sound. Yeah, because D- Dirty Mind got I think more got him noticed, and it was really raw sounding. But then, but then this brought the elements together of that. It's like what I think Wendy or Lisa said this in one of those uh, Hall of Fame speeches, where Prince is so good at taking the um, the black bass line and mixing it with the white rock guitar sound, and that's exactly what happens in a lot of this. And and what happens afterwards, I guess. But um, I think also so this um, was the start of you know just the huge rise. You had, I mean, Dirty Mind was a big underground thing. It didn't really do a lot, you know, chart wise or anything that I know of. Yeah. But Controversy, then 1999, and then Purple Rain. Just in those three albums, he went from really not much at all to like <laughs> the biggest star. It's just insane. Com- commercially, three albums. Commercially, yeah. Yeah, just in those three albums, it's crazy. Well, even music, even musically, how far he went. Yeah, and when, like, when you say how far he went, yeah. I think musically as well, it's it's scary to mm. see the change and the influences, and it's it's that classic kind of um, expansion of his of styles and 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 even playing. I mean, the, the playing just gets better at this point as well. Just the arrangements are a bit tighter here than than the than the other three, or than the, I shouldn't say the other three than, than his first three albums, and everything just comes to seems to be coming together just a little bit better, a little tighter, and um, starting to jam out a little bit, but yeah. I think also with, you know, the first two albums were very much pop, you know, Stevie Wonder style albums. Disco. Yeah, the, and mm. then Dirty Mind came out, and it could have been very easy for him to go, okay, I've done something different now, now I'll return to, you know, the more traditional R&B. 
Hmm. But so in some yeah. ways, this is the album that actually, because, you know, every artist does, oh, here's my take on whatever every now and then. Yeah. And they, you know, return to their, their bass sort of sound. Whereas this one says, no, no, I'm following on this Dirty Minds theme and I'm going to take it to another level. Yeah, and, and it's but the the other thing that this album has that the other three really didn't at all is the controversy element, like the um, political, you know, he's the talking sexual. about governments and a religious stack of religion in here. Yeah, a lot of religion as well, and the, the mix of politics, I think, I think, religion, and sex and, and controversy is is very like obvious. Prince, yeah, that's that's Prince's. I name. think we can agree this is his most political album he's ever done before or since just on pure politics alone probably yeah yeah in terms of references yeah. i think yeah i think after that he just thought no nah, i'm not going to get into that well yeah if you look at something like ronnie took to russia if he was doing something like that today it's <laughs> it's kind of like dear mr man obama talked to russia <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't make much no, but sense. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, the reference now, it's not so um, direct. It's more yeah. subtle. Whereas back then, it, it, it was just you know saying it how it is and rude boy referencing, yeah, referencing names and things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of politics and um, e- even the front cover. He's got the papers on there. You know, gun control, all that kind of stuff, and you know, even the lyrics from controversy. Um, everything. It's all any, over this. Any, any Christian. Yeah, anti or anti, <laughs> depending on <laughs> how you read that. So anyway, we'll, we'll get into all the songs. But yeah, eight um, eight tracks on this. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of the singles started being released from this controversy album with B sides, and that was it. Was really the um, the start of all that, wasn't it? Yeah. So so that's also another interesting thing. And <laughs> recorded in uh, at Sunset Sound. So he's, he's obviously using some more maybe slightly better studio equipment, um, but still still more or less a one-man band uh, uh, other than, than, I think, the last track from memory. And, yeah. I mean, and I this was his best-sounding record, like, production-wise so far. Up until then. I'd say. Up, yeah, up to that point. Hmm. I mean, you can sort of excuse Dirty Mind because it was pretty much just this raw sound all the way through it, but the Prince album sounded pretty good, but this, like, the mastering, the production sounds a lot better, I think. Yeah. He had, yeah, he had better studio equipment, he had a bit more knowledge, and you know, and then it was just all getting ready for 1999 coming up. And, and this this is really almost like the... He was um, perfecting his techniques. Obviously, Purple Rain was a big crossover record, and 1999 was, was the precursor to that. So what was this? I mean, this was probably still that new wave punk funk. It's not even really funk rock. You know, this is just my guess, but, you know, his thinking behind it was... I need to make some statements and get myself noticed. Yeah. Because he could have known, you know, that he he could have thought the album after this, it's going to be a great album. So I need to make more people aware of me doing all this sex, religion, politics. That'll get me noticed. That's an interesting idea, actually. I've never even thought of it until you just said that. But Mm. that's what what I think. In retrospect, it makes a lot of sense because we know what happened. But yeah, I wonder if that was Mm. his thinking. Well, two things stand out for me. One is not even comparing the previous albums to this, but the other music from 1981, like there's nothing out there like this album mm. like if you was trying to do an R&B thing like no R&B artists it was, there was still like Earth, Wind and Fire and all those guys but they weren't bringing out an album like this Chic yeah or Chic yeah, um, and you've only got to look at the, the clothes he was wearing on stage during the controversy tour mm. that's not what you wear if you don't want to get noticed <laughs> 
the other thing is is that the tour that he was on before this album came out was the one supporting Rick James. And I think mm. he learned a lot on that tour and was, you know, starting to be competitive and he, he picked up a lot of things from that tour and it, it, he was just so driven and he's mm. put all that into this album to just drive himself further and using new instruments like the Lindrum and not even using the preset sounds from it, but running it through different pedals and effects and creating his own sound from it. Yeah. So... But the, um, the the comment you made about, uh, and just before we go into the songs, I just wanted to quickly talk about what else was on the radio at the time, because you said that there, no one was, else was making music like this, or at least it wasn't on the charts. But I guess there are a lot of obvious new wave elements on the album that obviously he was listening to. So I'm thinking like, I don't know, The Cars, Blondie, yeah. those sorts Devo. of bands. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Devo. And there must have been a lot more. I can't think of any at the moment, but that had to have a, a huge... A pretty marked influence on on what he was yeah. listening to. Yeah, definitely. Even even Michael Jackson, really, um, only a couple of years ago, you know, had Off the Wall, and obviously, completely different record. But mm. you know, it was just a time. And yeah, the Rick, even Rick James, I think Street Songs came out in '81, so the same year this was released, and that's probably a little bit similar. Anyway, so okay, let's go into the song by song review, starting with the title track, Controversy. Yay. <laughs> Controversy. <laughs> Captain, why don't you uh, lead off this review? Why don't I? Why don't you? This song is... If anyone gives um, this song a bad review, they're off the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the most predictable review of this song. <laughs> you would think so, but you never know. You never know with Captain, do you? You never know. The Peter <laughs> Black podcast is throwing up its fair share of surprises. So. <laughs> okay. The best word I can use to describe this song is... I might not be the best word, but it's the one I'm thinking of right now, and that's <laughs> interplay. Mm. It's yeah. the best thing about this song. There's not one split second in this song where there isn't something. There's always a, a synth stab, a, a keyboard riff, that pounding bass that just goes through pretty much all the song, mm. a rhythm guitar lick. It's, there's just always something there. Mm. And you can see why this song is, you know, he still plays it today. You still occasionally hear it on the radio. And live, when they they get this groove going, you can't stop it. It's it's just so good. Uh, I don't think I need to say much about the lyrics. Everyone knows them. Uh, we all know it was a big thing to include the, the Lord's Prayer in a song. Was it a big thing at the time, though? Did anyone make a big thing about it? It's strange, that bit, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is odd. Like, it's very strange. I, like I think it's only strange because he he cuts it out of the song when he does it live. So when you go back to record and listen to it, it's like, oh yeah, because yeah. he doesn't use this part in the live mm. setting anymore. And that's not on the um, like, like the standard edit that most people would have heard that didn't mm. get the album. Yeah, you got to get the album for that. I like that bit in the Lord's Prayer where he's like, "Give us this day," and then there's just this bam, this huge. Oh, you took yeah. it away. I was going to talk about that. Is, uh, and every time I hear it, I'm like. Does that relate to anything, or is it just there was a split second space and he's like, let's put that there? But how funky is it? That is the funkiest little one thing. It's just bam. It's just, oh, it's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there's a cool little synth thing at 231. Uh, I like he reverses the two chords on the synth at 502. 
have a listen to that from what he plays most of the song. Great little guitar thing at 6.31. Cool little synth part at 6.57. There's just all these little things and I hear and I'm like, ah, that's cool. That's cool. (laughs) Every time it is. There's just so many little cool things apart from the the general greatness of it. I love the harmonies he starts doing at 4.47. Uh, he's still on my one now. He's taking everything. If this is my review. You read my review, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> you, you asked me to go first because Toe Jam. I know you're going to say the whole song's minor, but then he starts doing that major. Oh yeah, you got. Me. You got. Me. There you go. <laughs> How pretty is that though? And then That's you, just like a cherry on top. Oh, that extra harmony. Yeah. I know, and it works. Even though it shouldn't, it does. But you notice when he goes back to the normal one, he doesn't quite get it. Yeah. It's sort of I think the third sort one of is slightly out of tune. Yeah. It's just one, like the after the last one of the major, the, the one going back, it's sort of just off, but it still yeah. works. Yeah. And every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though it, it shouldn't work, it does. What else can I say? You've got the people call me rude thing, the classic rhyming chant, which he... He used to great effect on, you know, this album and Dirty Mind. You, and you end with the great scream at 6.02. And I'm, I'm running out of breath of things to say. <laughs> the- I can hear you running out of breath. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. So now that I've said pretty much everything everyone's going to say, who's next? Why don't we go... <laughs> since you started bringing Toe Jam in, why don't we go straight to Toe Jam on this? Well, uh, you pretty much had everything I had. The one thing you missed, though, which is the thing of the song... Is that the Did little guitar jangle, the little chicken thing, you know, the... That's the song right there. <laughs> that's the hook of the song. Um, it's yeah, like yeah. the flat seven and the one together. It's just this like little clashy kind of sound just together. It sounds awesome. Yeah, I, that's a big thing for me as well. It's just, you know, the length of the song. And yet there's not a second that goes by that, even though obviously it's repeating choruses and verses, and but all the way through it, there's something different every... 10 seconds there's something new happening yeah. it's only got it's only got two verses yeah but there's like there's just stuff happening Is all it? the time and it's mm. just so simple but it it gives the song almost a false sense of that it's going more places than it actually does <laughs> that makes sense yeah yeah that's right yeah um, and I, I love the whole you know the whole point of the song it's like you can't label me you know i'm prince you can't label me i'm who, you know i am who i am like and it's sort of a, a reoccurring theme throughout his his whole career and this is probably the the start of it Hmm. The synth thing throughout it, when it, and at the end of every every now and then, it just does this big row. Sounds like <laughs> yeah. sounds like a record scratch. You know, I always think of Doctor Fink when that happens yeah. in the video. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, and you got me on that major third on that extra harmony. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's sort of the the precursor to the nineteen ninety nine long jams. It's just one of the funkiest things he's ever done. One of the simplest things, the funkiest things. It's just so on the right tempo. You know, the bass just hits it the whole way through and all these weird keyboard sounds it's it's just it's you really notice it though i think there's two spots in the song where that synth bass just drops out yeah for like a couple of bars and you really notice when it's not there and then it's yeah. it's straight back by the time you realize it's back again yeah and just uh. the attention to detail like you know every now and then a hit on the snare will have reverb and and it's just you know every mm. now and then like a hit will be bigger than normal and it's just oh it's awesome can't say much more it's just a brilliant you know, quintessential print song. Okay. I think I'd go as far as to say this is his best funk track. I think I'll say that. <laughs> as in, you know, just classic Prince sound. This this just nails it. It's got to be up there. And, you know, and he still plays it pretty much every show. 
and the people still love it. And they because it's it's happy. What's it like? I, I, I was thinking, you know, people are well, the fans, Prince fans are always complaining. I don't know if that's the right word, but they're always, you know, oh, he plays, let's go crazy in Purple Rain, you know, we're getting tired. But you never hear of anyone saying they're tired of controversy, yeah, even though he's it just as often as those ones. So that's got to say something. So, player, what do you think about this song? I think this is an epic song, and for it to have as much impact and relevancy still after 30 years is a testament to the track. And yeah, like what you guys said, if you break down every element of the song from the choppy rhythm guitar, the beat, the bass, the synths, to the lyrics and delivery, and the descending three chords in the chorus, it's just a great track with a tight groove. And this is one of Prince's, it's clearly one of Prince's favorite tracks from his back catalogue too, because it's one of the very few songs that has appeared one way or another in every tour over the last 30 years, correct me if I'm wrong. And like Tojam said, if it, you know, it's, it's not something that gets tired or old or the fans complain about. So I can't get enough of it. I'll say he didn't play it on the Gold Experience tour. Yeah, that's probably right. But I mean... One but apart from the year, he has played it pretty much every tour. Every tour, yeah. And the song has so much drive. It never gets too old or tired. If you listen to, like, the first, say, 15 seconds of the song, just the beat, it's almost like he's creating loops before you had, like, samplers that create loops. Like, he was doing it even back then, you know, making beats and loops and stuff. So, it, it is a groundbreaking track. It's awesome. All right, all right. This is... One of my favorite songs of all time, not just by Prince, but of all time. It's, like you guys have all said, one of the funkiest things ever. It's got to be one of his greatest songs as well, I think. But what an opener on this album. I mean, is this one of the best opening tracks he's ever had? Um, He's he's had a few of them. Mm But this is just brilliant. And, um, it's you know, it's got the synth, the Lin, the funk guitar, and it's a jam. But this is, like, really the first time where I think everything came together in a way, in his career, in a way that it hadn't on any other song. You know, you've got the, the Sexy Dancer extended mm. jam on the album version, but it, you know... Uh, yeah. It pales, pales compared it to this. Pales in, yeah, you're right. It pales in comparison to the effect, the overall catchiness, and the just the... Um, the dirtiness of this song and you know what like as funky as this is and he can tear the roof off with this song live any given day as long as he's in the mood for it it's actually like really well produced and usually like i like my funk a bit gritty and kind of like funkadelic style but and but this is the opposite you just get that sense of uh, i can't describe it. you can't describe funk so i'm not even gonna try but it's just like each you get that you get that face i get that face listening to this track the famous funk face is just ridiculous. You can't you can't help yourself. And it's just explosive entry and really all the elements that have come afterwards with regards to his own sound, the Minneapolis sound and the funk music, I think really stem from this song. Not only from this album, but particularly from this song. Because look, anytime anyone says Prince Classic Sound, you think, okay, Lin Drum synth, this song has it. Great bass line, this song has it. Chicken Scratch, Chicken Grease Guitar, this song has it. Uh, falsetto, background yeah, yeah. vocals, this song has it. It's like every classic Prince element it's there. virtually is in this track. And it's so early in his career. It's just like, I think one of the reasons why it's so successful is because it, you know, like people say, you know, every great artist has a certain amount of music to give. Well, I think he just nailed it so early with this song that it's just unbeatable. You know, you can't say a bad thing about it. The vocals are on point, And then those those ascending background vocals are just brilliant. You guys have talk, spoken. And the awesome synth gets me every time. 
the doctor, I call it the doctor think synth uh, breakdown in the uh, in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, and it's one of those things I was reading uh, ages ago a um, interview, yeah, exactly, an interview where he was talking about building a groove and then just killing it, just sticking to it, and this song does that. Like <laughs> you could listen to seventy minutes of this and just not get tired of it. I, I could. It just get you into a trance. Um, uh, uh, speechless, you know. But the the other thing that I'll say about it is it's not entirely his sound. You know, he's been influenced by these new wave synths. Um, uh, I would say probably in some way, whether he was listening to them or not, probably talking heads. There are other influences, and there's a punk sensibility as well. But then at the same time, there's this irresistible hook that the do 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 do. Like, who comes up with that? It's ridiculous. And and I think the lyrics are also great because they're not lame. They're, they're just so universal, you know, do, do I believe in God, do I believe in me, and so general and ambiguous, and I don't know what else to say. What you were saying just before, this song's got, you know, all the elements. That's why this album, for me, it's the first Riddle Prince album, because it had everything that we know is Prince. It had everything. Mm. And it was not just in this album, in this, just this song. This was the most Prince song that he'd done up to this point as well, I'd say, that yeah. defined his sound. It just had everything. It, it was spot on all of it. Yeah, I agree with Crazy. that. I agree with that because it's got the funk, it's got the new wave, it's got the pop, it's got the... But then it's got all that weird stuff, you know, like, not weird stuff, but, you know, you don't necessarily always hear falsetto vocals. On a funk track, not nonetheless. <laughs> so, um... Hey, yeah, here's a question. Where did this come in the, the best Prince? What is it? The top 20 best Prince songs of all time. Where did this come? It was in the 20. It was in the 10, It would have been pretty high. Yeah. I thought it was in the top 10. I think it was. I I can't remember now, but the other other side little trivia bit is um, Controversy the Single, and I I just checked the fact on this, peaked at number 15 in Australia when it came out. So really, it's considered one of his first or his first major hit in the Australian market before Little Red Corvette and um, the MSR and everything in 1999 and everything, you know. That's right. Exploded from there. So that's another interesting thing from a from an Australian point of view. And, you know, when they, they played this in 2003 and they've played it on almost every other tour and he'll probably be playing this for another 30 years, you know, because it just never gets old. I'll say one last thing about this song. It's one of the rare songs by any artist where whenever it comes on, I just, whether I'm in the mood for it or not, whether I'm even whether I even feel like listening to music, if I hear this or I just accidentally turn my iPod on, or you can't <laughs> stop listening to it. You know, like I'll be loading, I'll be charging the battery, and it'll be the last song that was on, and I'll see it there. And just the title alone, I'll be like, oh, that's it, I got to listen to it. <laughs> you know, Not again. Like, yeah, you just you you read the word controversy somewhere, and you think, oh man, I'm gonna put that track on. It's a brilliant, brilliant track. Plus, uh, plus, you could mention it's over seven minutes long, but it doesn't get old at all. No, because there's just always something just keeps coming. There's something different all the time. Like you said, it's over seven minutes long, Captain. But you compare it to, let's say, something completely out of what well, the context of what we're talking about, like Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, right? Six and a half minutes long or so, and there's so much that happens in that song, and it doesn't get old. You compare it to this mm. song that's even longer, and virtually nothing happens by comparison, but it still doesn't get old. And I think part of Mm. it has to do with the beat. The kick and the synth bass create such a solid foundation that the minute that chicken grease comes in, it's over. 
Like the yeah. even without the synths, this song would be, mm. and the synths just take it over the top, and then all those other little bits and pieces and sprinkles and all the vocals and the the arrangement. Like it's so tight. This is the tightest song ever. <laughs> Definitely. I'm gonna give it a go now. Oh, yeah. There we go. I'm li- I don't have a top E string, though, so that's on the wrong strings, but anyway. Now do it for seven minutes. No chance. No chance. <laughs> Without breaking a sweat. But, yeah, I mean, even that way you play it, Tojo, it's like, I want to put the track on right now. Yeah. It's going to end the review really quick. Mm, I'm going to leave the show and just listen to the song tonight. So, okay, track one is over and done with. Let's go into track number two out of this eight-track disc, uh, Sexuality, the song... They're all a bunch of double drags to teach the kids that love is bad. Half of the staff of their brain is on vacation. Mama, are you listening? We need a new fleet. Leaders, stand up. Organize. Yeah. Uh, are there any fans in the house here? Yeah, uh, this is Take probably my favorite track on the album. Oh, yeah, what? What about controversy? Uh, I think this, I don't know, for me, this just tops it slightly. Wow. They're both unbelievable. Wasn't expecting I, that. I love this track. It's just the bass line, it's such an original bass line. And it's just, it sounds like no other bass line I've ever heard. And it kind of sounds goofy, but it's just so funky. Don't, 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 don't. It's real punk, you know. And the toms in this song, the toms. Yeah. That's just oh, that's... all the way through. There's just always interesting tom patterns happening. It's almost tribal or something. Yeah. When you listen to it. And it sounds to me like he's also playing with the drumsticks on the sides, like on the rims of the of the kit. Yeah. All, all the way through it, these little jingly jangly hits that he's... And that, that that's adds so much atmosphere to the song. It's so rhythmic. And, you know, if, this, if there was ever a song to show that Prince truly is insane and lives in Prince world, <laughs> this is the song. Because, you know... What on earth is he talking about? It, it sounds so cool, though, doesn't it? Like, hang out tourists and, and it's just... What the hell is he talking about? But half of their staff... What was it? Half of their... Half of the staff... Of their brain zone. Vacation, yeah. It's lyric. Yeah, it is. You listen to it and you feel like you want... You're like, yeah, Prince, you tell him. And then you think about it. Like, like, what, what on earth is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's just all over the place, but I love it. And it's got... You know, this is the first of the real classic... Hour. You know, yeah, right? mm. and it, it's so they're so like you know they're so sexual those, those <laughs> it's kind of awkward listening to it, but it's awkward, but it's oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's very strange. And just the production all the way through on this song, you've got like this weird hi hat pattern happening in the left speaker. You know, guitars in the right, it's just and the, the the same sort of jangly guitar bit that I was just trying to play. You know, that returns, so it's kind of a. a sort of links the two songs together as sort of brother and sister songs for me. Like, I can imagine doing controversy and then like, right, I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to turn it into this freak song. You know, now that was the, you know, everything's placed ni- nicely in the beat. This one's That's just the straight like, version. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this song as well with the lyrics, the early 80s, it's such a, you know, song about freedom. Let your body be free. You know, we don't need no segregation, no race. You know, it's really, you know, the, the civil rights movement is, is fully in flow and, you know, the world's feeling good about itself, I think. And so, you know, he's all guns blazing. You know, freedom, unbelievable. Yeah, but I don't know. That bass line just 
kills the song for me all the way through. <laughs> and just the insane nature of it. It's just, it's brilliant. I, I'd rate this as probably in my top, uh, definitely in my top 10 on any given day to be in my top five, I think. I love the video too. There's a bit in the video where he does the splits and it's just, you know, if you miss it, it's, it's gone. But it's just, when you, I remember seeing that the first time I got, oh my God, did he just do, you know, the splits are just the right time in the song. It's just... In uh, pantyhose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, not that I find that... Uh, <laughs> Let your body be free, Toe Jam. Let your body be free. <laughs> It's just one of those things, you know, it's just, it's one of those moments I sort of have in my head is like, you know, and you think, oh my God, this guy's a freak. Like, <laughs> yeah, hilarious. one of my, fa- one of my favorite tracks of all time. Both, both songs are, but I reckon this one's slightly higher, just on the insane value. I'd say, on the, <laughs> on the insane scale, I, I would say this is, this is a, this is a pretty cool song as well. Like, I agree with you what you said about the chicken scratch, because um, <laughs> it is, it is crazy on this and, and it's, he's used that same chicken scratch like identical chord <laughs> so many times in, in in his live performances and even in other album tracks I would bet it's just like again another classic Prince motif that started up on this album um, it's real like suspended sounding chord just sort of hanging there mm. but he's playing it so rhythmically it's you know it's awesome yeah and it and it it just adds to the funk feel of this track um, I think someone said earlier player is is kind of like got a tribal beat and I completely agree with that. It's like it's fast paced but it's got this real energetic bounce and it's like it never lets up from from the from from the get go. It's similar to controversy but obviously at a faster tempo. And the other thing that I like about this song is the strange screams and the yells that Tojo mentioned that really come into full effect and really haven't been heard before, but also highlight his version of the kind of punk, new wave, rebellious attitude. Because as much as he's talking about, you know, get free and let your body be free and, you know, all about the new breed and all that, it's also like a like a fist-pumping, almost the Clash-type Sex yeah. Pistols-esque quality, I think, on this song and even on this whole album, uh, which is really, really cool. And I think that's about it. I'll just mention quickly that um, the fact that he used that reproduction of a new breed leader stand up organized back on um, the Rainbow Children album, Rainbow which Children. I always thought was a very interesting thing to do, considering how different those two albums are. And obviously the songs themselves, that you know, that contain those lines are different, but it's just an, a, quirky, a quirky thing to do. So, and, and, you know, Rainbow Children was literally 20 years after this came, after Sexuality was released. So, and this this song was also released in Australia as a single. So right. again, yeah. very early on in Prince's career, he was releasing songs in Japan and in Australia aside from the US. And I find that interesting in itself because there's so many other countries, for example, in Europe where I would have thought, you know, he'd be trying to break through, but for one reason or another that wasn't happening. So anyway, we'll take it to player. Yeah, I really like this song as well. It's a slight variation to controversy, a bit more thought-provoking and political in the lyrics, but it still has that rhythm guitar and the licks all the way through it. It has that distinct early 80s new wave sound and the sound of the Oberheim synths kill me every time. It's it's just raw prints and it's it's great. You know, like if you listen to albums like 2010 where he's trying to reproduce the, the elements of these earlier albums... I don't know, I guess he's using Pro Tools and all that. And when you use stuff like that, it, it makes it very precise. Whereas on these albums, it's it's all about the feel. And so I think when he's trying to recreate those sounds now, it, it, that kind of gets lost. And this is where all the energy is, is, is all in the feel. Do you reckon and, some of it is, in, is based on the equipment only, just because uh, it's analog? Or? 
Yeah, maybe. But with um, I think with the Android, I don't know, with... it makes it harder to go back and fix. Yeah, and I think in some ways that's good with the you know the digital technologies now. But in, I kind of see what players saying. Sometimes it's that little intricacies that make the difference. Make the song, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I don't know, like um, the he can still record on analog equipment today, right? I mean, surely he's got enough money and resources to be able to find the equipment if he wanted to. Certain artists are using the combination of analog and digital today. Now, obviously, that wasn't an option back then. But I just wonder if, if that... Obviously, you know, you listen to something like MPLS Sound from 2009, and even though he's going for similar types of sounds, they're just, like you said, player, they just don't hit it in the same way. Mm. It wasn't that long ago he said, you know, not to quote exactly, but, you know, digital music's horrible. Mm. Yeah, but wasn't I think like that? Yeah, but I think that's the medium he was talking about. The actual recording process, the digital's more convenient now, and it can fix a lot of mistakes really, really quickly, whereas, you know, recording to analog is more time-consuming, and, yeah, if you make a mistake, it's it's more laborious to go back and fix things. So, you know, some of these, like, little mistakes or things that they're adding there is, you know, it makes the song... Yeah, it gives it the character. Yeah, the character. So. Oh, it's just his laziness, then. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to, without without going on too much of a tangent, I would, and I don't know if he does this or not, but it certainly doesn't sound like he's been doing this on on his last few albums, but I'd love him to merge the two technologies. I know of one musician, Mark Knopfler, the primary songwriter and guitarist from Dire Straits, a fairly big fan of his, and, and the last few albums that he's done, he's been incorporating a lot of that. And I've I've heard some interviews with his people talking about, Nophilus people talking about the process, and it is more laborious and in some cases more difficult, but the overall result you could never replicate on a digital machine. So I, I don't know. I, for one, would love to for him maybe not go all the way analog, but just maybe use some of those elements. Um, take out the original Oberheim again, you know? <laughs> And just yeah. muck around with it. That'd be pretty cool, you know. What a way to get inspired, I think. Because this album's got plenty of it. But anyway, sorry, you're still going. No, that's it for me. It's a great song. Now, Captain. As Toe Jam said, this is the origin of the Awa Prince scream. And, and he does so many of them. Best start to the song. Just do that. And then do it again. And do it again. And do it again. It's great. Like Toe Jam said as well. See, this is what it's like going last. I went first for the first track, and now I'm last. Everyone said everything. Um, <laughs> like Toe Jam said, oh, this is one of my favorite songs. It's in the top ten. Of it's just it's, what of of all time, my all time favorite Prince songs. Sexuality. Yep. Cool. Spirituality. Spirituality. <laughs> um, I like this more than controversy. The thing I love so much about this song, I think, is the wildness of his vocals. It seems so unrestrained. He's like, I'm going to just sing whatever I want, and it's just going to sound like whatever it is. And it's great. It doesn't matter what the topic of this song could have been. It could have been anything. It just happens to be sexuality, so he sings it in that way. But it could have been anything, and he could have sang it in that way. And it would still sound great. Oh, I wonder about what you just said. Like, Do you think maybe he just went for broke with the vocals on this whole album, just because maybe he was thinking, uh, stuff it, I'll just go all out and see what happens. And if people like it, I'll just keep it up, which is obviously what he's done for the rest of his career with you know that like hitting high notes. and, and I mean, there's so much trademark stuff out of this song mm. and this album. I don't know, it's just a thought. But I think this song, more than any on this album, he really just sings whatever. 
controversy seems pretty restrained, like to fit with that song. But this, it's just like there's no limit. He's just gonna sing whatever he wants, the way he wants, and it's just crazy. And I love it. I love the synth bass. It's just too cool. And again, all as Toe Jam said, you got the funky guitar lifted straight from controversy straight into this track. Great. I like in the second verse, he drops the falsetto here and there. You get the, the normal register voice and it sounds really good. There's a bit at 146 where he goes, oh, baby. It's just so good. Every time I hear that, I just laugh my head off. Classic. And you got the guitar comes in 153 and you've got the, the new production of the new breed leader stand up organized. As MC said, bring, bring, brought forward to Rainbow Children. Uh, and there's the lyrics. I don't listen to the lyrics, but there's so many just weird lyrics in this, which, because I've heard this album so many times, I know every single word. And some of them are just ridiculous. About the, the tourists with 89 flowers on their back. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing they're wearing Hawaiian shirts, but yeah. who knows what he was thinking. It's just... It's just, some of the stuff is just crazy. And half of the staff of their brain is on vacation. That is just one of the best lines ever. <laughs> it's, 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 so, just so it's so immature, though. It's, it cracks me up. It's, it's sure so random, but... Uh. You know, you see yeah? people, songs, paying out, you know, a certain political agenda or, you know... <laughs> and he's, he's paying out tourists. And but It, it is kind of <laughs> yeah. cool. It is kind of cool, because it's like... You know what? No flash again. You know you can imagine no this like, again. you know this really like sort of. I always imagine like this really superficial kind of old man with his <laughs> camera kind of thing, and it's just like you know, you're wasting your life, brother. <laughs> yeah, you need to get down to the sexuality. <laughs> so we've and we've got the mama. Are you listening? And the guitar comes in, oh, and there's wanting. so many it's good wanting. lines. So many good lines. No child is bad from the beginning. They only imitate their atmosphere. That's just classic as well. Yeah. yeah. And the way he sings that, like the harmonies on that, they only imitate their atmosphere is just so good. Every time I hear it, I'm just like, wow, that's good. I was really surprised when he brought this back in 2006 in Las Vegas. Could have done without the name change to spirituality, but I think pretty much the rest of the song was the same. Hmm. Did he do the speech? Did he do the 89 flowers on their back? No. I don't know if he did that part. I don't know, Captain. It's been a long time since I saw those Vegas shows. <laughs> yeah. But that's all i got to say about that song. Yeah, one of my favorites of all time, Prince songs. Wow. It's just absolute classic. I like this more than Controversy. That's what Dojam said. Um, not sure if it's the best song on the album, but it's it's definitely close. <laughs> I'll just say one more thing. What about the ending as well, where it, it all just sort of breaks down and there's like little gaps of silence, but then it all just comes right back in again and... And yeah, just when it's right starting to close. fade out. Yeah. Just when it starts it's... to fade out, you hear it come back in again, and I'm like, yeah, oh, it, there's yeah. got to be an extended version. version come on. Yeah. Every time I hear it fade out and, the, and it comes back in, I'm like, oh, come on, give me an extended <laughs> version. <laughs> I would love to hear this entire album on vinyl. I've never had the opportunity, but I'd love to. Sexuality is done with. Track number three, Do Me Baby. That's it. Now, 
Now, Captain and Toe Jam, you guys have already talked about how amazing controversy and sexuality are. I wonder if they're going to do the same here. But why don't we uh-huh. start with uh, Player on this? See if he can get his uh, Player get his play on on uh, Doomy Baby. Does this work for you? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> This is either going to do one of two things. It's either going to be a panty dropper or it's going to make Chris Tucker dance at a set of traffic lights. <laughs> Somebody's getting pregnant. <laughs> Somebody getting pregnant tonight. I mean, like we were saying before, how this album defined uh, like a Prince sound. This is where the start of the big ballads, big seduction ballads. And this is like the start of it. And it's also, you know, according to rumor, the breaking point between him and Andre. Well, I was going to say, we've actually got, um, and, and this is unbelievable. We should have really announced this earlier. We've got Andre Simone on the other line. Are you there, Andre? <laughs> 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 just to, uh, we just wanted to bring him in to talk about <laughs> the, the credits to this track and, and to see what he's got to say for it. Yeah, so <laughs> apparently he wrote the track back in 1979 hmm. and even Pepe uh, Pepe Willy yeah he says that <laughs> I don't trust a word that Pepe Willy guy says <laughs> first of all with a name like Pepe Willy seriously <laughs> he always comes across like the kind of guy that would just you know oh he was there when he recorded this and, yeah and I was yeah, there man, how are you Prince before he was a baby <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he says that it was Andre's song as well but you know it says on the album sleeve written by Prince, so I'm taking it for that. Yeah, I mean, what can you say about this song? I mean, again, every element, the piano, guitars, drums, I mean, it's just, it's all there. It's its just a, a fantastic song. And just even the, the vocal delivery, you can't fault it. Great song. Awesome. My review is going to be quick, so I'll do it very quickly and then we'll move on to everyone. But yeah, this is just really cool. It's a classic ballad, like you said. For me, the bass pop is really cool. Like, it adds so much tension. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it still makes it that qu- kind of quiet storm number that it is. And um, the synths swirling around in the background are really cool. And there's this one part, I don't know exactly when it is, but there's just these, like, repetitive synths. And it almost sounds like they echo. He, yeah. He does it twice towards the end of the song. And I just think it's a really cool element. But the lyrics, like, this is steamy stuff. Like, he's going all the way on this song. <laughs> literally, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> there was always that rumor, wasn't there, that he, um, didn't he, like, set up the studio in a certain way? I think it's in Per Nielsen's book to record this. He was song. lying on the floor on his back underneath the piano or something. Naked. <laughs> It's like um, silk pillows and candles, and he was the only one in there, or something like that. And he, you can, if that's, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's true because you listen to his vocal. It's very intimate. It's intimate, it's very but it's closely biked. Yeah, he's, but he's really like putting it on. <laughs> he's laying it on thick on this one. But, <laughs> but uh, all jokes aside, I would say the best vocal performance in his career. To date, so all to date. Yeah, I would say so. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say up until that point, but to now. Yeah, up until that point is a given. I think I'd say, but even to date, because there's just you were talking about the vocals and sexuality being unrestrained, and I think that continues here. But it it's just so unabashed, like really wearing his heart on his sleeve. And sometimes I can't work out whether he's putting it on intentionally or whether he's really feeling it but regardless the effect is still incredible and the screams and the, it's even slightly distorts as well 
But then for me, the big thing is like the breakdown and the falsetto comes in at about three minutes, 14, three minutes, 15 is, it's got to be one of the best he's ever done, I think. And you know, this 23 year old kid in the studio is just tearing it up. Mm. Um, maybe there was someone else in there with him, but uh, I just got to finish this review <laughs> by saying two words. I'm, 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 so, I'm cold. <laughs> I'm, I'm so cold. I'm so cold. <laughs> that is one of the strangest, most awkward, unfortunately intimate moments of being a Prince fan. It's just I had, to, I had to just check myself on that one. It's a bit uncomfortable, but that's okay. <laughs> Somebody throw Princey a blanket. He's cold. <laughs> It's a strange one. But anyway, uh, let's take it to uh, Captain. Okay. I knew you guys are going to go on about this song like it's the best song ever. Ah, uh, here um, we go. I, I never said it's the best I song know, ever. It's great. I, I know it's a great ballad. It's probably his most successful attempt at writing a ballad, or what we know as, you know, the Prince-style ballad. Yeah. It's, uh, I know it's great. It's a Prince classic, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah. Oh, Oh, interesting. I think my main reason is the last three minutes of the song. <laughs> that wasn't in Andre Simone's original version, by the way. Prince just added those bits. You know that cold lyric? I wrote that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you were there, Prince. I mean, <laughs> that's the funny thing, though. That's the really funny thing. We're all saying, you know, or I'm saying anyway, this is his best attempt at writing a, a ballad. And, but it's Andre. And then we'll say, <laughs> maybe it's Andre who wrote it. That's yeah. hilarious. Mm. It's crazy. But I think, you know, it's a great vocal performance, some classic screams. But yeah, I just really don't like the second part of this song, which is, it's just sex. Uh, I, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but he's I, alone. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, who knows? Even worse, yeah. But oh, I don't know. I don't need to hear that. I, I usually skip this track. So actually, yeah, I would say for me, this is the most skippable track. Wow. Ooh. Wow. So there you the go. So, the song that has probably the most notable, famous scream, <laughs> high-pitched falsetto scream of his career up until then anyway, you're, you're passing on. Wow. Yeah, I just don't listen to it. I don't like listening to it. It, but it's mainly because of that second part of the song. If it faded out at like four minutes, I'd probably yeah, the, listen. Um, I wouldn't skip it. The standard edit, you know, seven-inch single. I'm, I'm pretty sure it fades. Yeah, it pro- it that, that it does, fade. Yeah. 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 Okay, I'll, I'll listen to the edit. <laughs> but when I'm playing the album, you know, it's the album version, so that's why I just skip it. Yeah. I should replace it with edit and see how that goes. Okay. All right. So, Jim, why don't you round this one out? Uh, I think most things have been said. It, it's the basis for so many songs that came after, like Scandalous, Insatiable, Adore, Somewhere Here on Earth, all these, you know, these slow rolling chord progression songs that are just, you know, beautiful. And they're all amazing. And being this one being the first, it's probably not as complicated. It's the most simple of all of them. But in some ways, that is what That's makes it It's just, you know, it's three chords pretty much the whole way through. Three chords just rolling and over and over and over and over. And to me, this is, it shows how much of a master builder he is. You know, the song just builds and builds and builds over, you know, I forget how many minutes it is, but it's, you know. And 7.43. Yeah. And it just, all the way through, it just slowly builds. What next, you know, the next time through the chords, it just slowly builds a bit more. You know, the, the counter melodies start to get a bit more intricate and the piano playing starts to get a bit more, um, 
But then within that, it's not just building. I don't necessarily mean building up. It's you know, it sort of goes in these waves of these. It's just you know, brilliant interplay from all the instruments. It just shows how much of a a great musician he is. I think I kind of agree with Captain. The last few minutes are a bit. Uh oh, do I need cringe worthy? But having said that, this I get the feeling he's taking the piss as well. Like when he's you know, there's a little line. Well, isn't it supposed to take a long time? I laugh at that bit because, you know, when he says that, it's clear that, you know, he's not completely serious at that moment. But, yeah, the vocals are just unbelievable. He's jumping all over the place and it's such a clear young voice at the time and it's not too studied yet. It's just right at that point where it's, you know, he's really finding his voice. Uh, It's just an amazing song. Yeah. That's it. We're on to side two now. Okay. Of the album. Side two, the vinyl version. Yeah. Private Joy. Yay. All right, Captain, take it away. This is a good song. It's light and bouncy, and I like the really, that poppy sort of song. I really like the intro to the chorus, and the chorus itself, it's just, it's just nice. There's this funky bass at 3.05, which goes into the best part of the song, which is, it's only short, but it's the strangled Valentino part. I just love that. That's the best part of the whole song for me. It's just excellent. And then right at the end of that bit, there's this really funky bass bit as well. It just goes yeah, all the way down. Right. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about it, but in relation to the first two tracks, which really seem to be saying something, this song doesn't say anything to me. It's supposedly written about some woman. I can't remember who now. One of them. I don't know what the first track controversy is saying. Or what sexuality is saying, but they're saying something. He's whinging about tourists in one. Um, <laughs> controversy, I suppose you could say he's saying all the media talking about me. They're, they're saying something, but this song's just saying, yeah, you're a sex toy. Good for you. <laughs> Which is fine. Oh, good for me. <laughs> <laughs> good for me. You finish up the song with a guitar feedback, ended up on Orgasm on the Come album, mixed in with, I think, Vanity's sounds from some other song, Vibrator, I think. Vibrator, yeah. And this is the song before another one of my all-time favorite Prince songs. (laughs) All right, all right. Let's go in reverse order now, Toe Jam. Oh, I slept on this song for ages. Um, Slept with or slept slept on? Sorry, could you just confirm (laughs) No, like I never, I, this was this sort of song I used to skip, you know, after the first three tracks and I think, oh yeah, I'll skip now to get to Let's Work or something. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it the last few times I've listened to it. The Lynn is in there. I think this is probably the first truly Lynn, Lynn song. Yeah. Uh, it's got a really full sound, like this really thick vocals all the way through and really nicely mixed. And it's got this, you know, really, again, another classic print sound. It's got this organy synth mix, uh, which mm. really started to become prominent on the next album. Yeah, it's... Oh, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to this one. That's it? <laughs> okay. That's fine. I'll, I'll finish up. Sounds like um, it's your private joy. You don't want to reveal too much about it. No, because it's, it's, like, it's really only a, a couple of minutes long, isn't it? It's pretty short. Like, the last couple of minutes is, is sort of the, you know, the effects going into the next song. So, mm. it's, it's not a huge song, but it's, it's very poppy. There's some interesting lyrics it's in poppy. there. Uh, shoot me up, baby. Let's take a trip. 
Interesting. Yeah, I I did hear that, and I'm thinking, what what's that about? Mm, drugs, Captain. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's sort of up and down. Like the, the melodies, the, his vocals are sort of jumping up and down, and do do just kind of very childlike uh, in a good way. But yeah, the, the way it ends is very strange with the guitar solo just sort of coming in out of nowhere, and then it's just sort of panning all over the place. It's it's almost like his brains just started to have a spaz or something. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like it's a really interesting little song. And it's, it's funny because it's, you know, the song's called Private Joy and it's kind of in the middle of the album. It's kind of conspicuous. And it is, the song itself is like a little Private Joy. Mm. All right. I think it's a, well, at least for me, it's a guilty pleasure. Um, yeah. Very guilty pleasure. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be comfortable listening to this song in public. And I'm comfortable with a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I think it's because, not because of anything other than those slightly cheesy synths. It's just like, what? What's going on here? I'd rather play this song to someone than Do Me Baby. That's for sure. I'd rather play Do Me Baby. With all the sex at the end? That brings out the How man in me. Someone else? <laughs> nah, you that's, with someone else. That's a quiet that. storm ballad. That's awesome. It depends who you're playing it to. Like, okay, if you play... Do me maybe to a girl, it might be happening. You play in private joy to a girl, she'd be like, What are you talking about? <laughs> like, my private, you want me to get on my private toy? What are we talking about here? <laughs> so, the, yeah, this is like a bit more risque to me. The lyrics are, are a little bit cheesy, and, and 80s lyrics, I should say, are a bit cheesy because they are definitely quite 80s to me, and, and the synths are as well. What is he talking about? Like, I know that Captain said it's about a person. I'm not completely convinced that it's only about that i think there's a little bit of ambiguity there as well and you know my little pretty toy is he talking about the person or something entirely like i said i don't know Um, i've seen several debates on forums about what he's referring to as the private joy yeah and i'll just leave it there (laughs) yeah i mean i I, sometimes i I get the sense that maybe this has more in in common with the song tambourine than we give it credit for but (laughs) i'll I'll leave it at at that as well (laughs) i think it's okay it's just about it's a tad too repetitive if there is any filler on this album and i'm not saying this is a filler song this would be the closest thing to it only from the point of view that it's just after the first three tracks it's like it, it kind of just doesn't add anything new it's almost like a mix of controversy and sexuality and a little bit of the elements lyrically of doomy baby and then you get private joy you know if you'll mix yeah, it up in first, a blender it's the first time in the album you sort of your ears get to have a rest for a second yeah, yeah. And it's just like a little ditty, so. But but there's a lot, again, there's a lot going on, and I do it's, like it's intermission. Yeah. Yeah, but I like the um how the guitar right at the end, and I'll finish with this. Just kind of, it just fuzzes up and it distorts a bit, and and he's just riffing, riffing, riffing right until the next track, which continues that theme. But it again, it's very punk. And it's very early 80s, and I think it's one of the things that dates this album, but I'm happy it does, because it takes you back to this time and place. So that's about all. Uh, Player, what do you think of Private Joy? Um, I really like this song, but I think it's similar to Uptown. I think he's taken that track and then continued it, and being the last song recorded for this album... And coming across like the Lin drum, it kind of sets it up like this song sets up for the next album, 1999. So it's kind of taking a song from the previous album and the sounds of the next album, and you've got it here on this this album. So I, I think it's quite a cool little track in between track that links three albums together. And apparently, mm-hmm. the original title of 
Private Joy was Dear Uncle George. So if Uncle George yeah, is I saw that. the Private Joy. <laughs> that just sounds so <laughs> Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I, think, I think it was just the music. <laughs> it, it was the music from Dear Uncle George, but n- with new lyrics. Is it, has anyone it. heard Dear Uncle George? Does it have yeah, lyrics? It, it actually no. goes like but this. I think it if, exists. If anybody asks you, you belong to Uncle George. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Uncle George became Bob George, and then that's the end of it. Mm. Dear Mr. But yeah, Man. it's cool. It's a cool song. I like it. Dear Uncle George. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, maybe he's talking about George Clinton. Who knows? His little private joy. I don't know what George would think about that. So let's go into track number six. No, don't you dare. I'm joking. Let's go into song number five. Ronnie talked to Russia before it's too late, before you go to war. Go to war. Captain? Let's lead. You, let's is, have you lead off with this again. This is one minute fifty one seconds of pure genius. It's just, <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. I love this song so much. It's just, it's just. I don't even know what this. So so many people hate it. There's all. There's I don't know. A fair majority, I would say, of people don't like this song. You're you're all crazy. It's such a fun song. <laughs> and I'll just have a guess that Toe Jam's going to say it's Prince showing how naive he is about politics and things like that. <laughs> or maybe you're not, but I said it for you. <laughs> uh, 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 good, guess, good guess, Captain. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. And, and he probably still is just as naive. Who knows? But, but what's wrong with that? He, he's not claiming to know everything about politics. So what? But I love the... <laughs> Go and listen to the bass in this song, which I've heard this album a lot, and I've heard this song even more, but the bass I only just heard like this week. The bass in this song is buried in the mix, but it's so cool. Go and listen to just the bass, the bass line in this song. I love it. The the energy in this song is just excellent. Even in just the first 10 seconds with the guitar shredding and the drums going crazy and him shouting and screaming. <laughs> first time I heard like the first 10 seconds of this song, I'm like, oh, this is the best song ever. And that was just the first 10 seconds. Hmm. At 101, you got the guitar solo. It's just great. It's a sort of precursor to the same idea as 1999 about, you know, Armageddon and the end of the world, and but presented in a much better way in the 1999 track. This is sort of weird way. I don't know what he was thinking when he decided to write such a uh, seemingly serious song, a serious message, it is a serious message to such a just a nonsense musical idea but I'm glad he did it because I really like it you know Captain just when you said that and this is in my review but I thought I'd I'd say it now because it makes sense Um, I think this song is the closest Prince has ever come to doing something in the format of of, um, Zappa this is like you beat me oh damn it okay (laughs) pretend I didn't (laughs) anyway but that's all I gotta say this is Probably my favorite track on this album. Hmm, that's incredible. You probably go against 99.9% of <laughs> Prince fans on that one. Um, See, it's so good yeah. it's left Captain speechless. 
It's not the first time this has happened. <laughs> Sometimes a song just hits him <laughs> so hard. This, uh, this song is just great. He, he's, he's probably never going to play it live, but I, I can still dream. <laughs> it wouldn't make any but he, sense. But he's, yeah, but like he still plays something like Sign of the Times, which I suppose you could say it's still relevant, but so what? It's a song. It's of its time. It's about a... Like, he still plays 1999, yet it doesn't make any sense because it's 2011. <laughs> but, he, but he still plays it. I don't know. Maybe if you change the names, like, if you had, like, Johnny Talk to Rhonda or something, and, like, Blackwell has to, like... No! no, no Blackwell no. has to Just solo with, with Rhonda on the bass because, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Play it Johnny as the track with Johnny Talk to Rhonda. I don't know. No, you should play it as it is, and so it'd be so much fun to play. That would probably be How the most ridiculous thing ever in the history of Prince playing live concerts. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it as an instrumental. That'd be cool. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, he could do that. And what about sometimes. the lyrics, though? Yeah. You can go to the zoo, but you can't feed the realist. <laughs> you can't feed the realist. <laughs> Just... You can't oh, feed good. gorillas. But then he says left-wing gorillas, meaning, well, no, you know, not monkeys. Realist. I thought he was saying realist. No. Gorillas. G-U-R-I-L-L-A-S. No. Are you sure? But why else would yes. you go to the zoo? What else would you feed there? I thought it was the realist. I always heard the realist. No, it's gorillas. Left-wing gorillas. Oh, gee, seriously? Gorillas? Oh, maybe. See, this is how brilliant oh, he is. He just makes you think that it's something that it isn't. Anyway, okay. Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on, on this track? Uh, my first thought is, Captain, the work of genius. This song came in 311th on our top 20 show. That's still, that's still pretty high. It's higher than I thought, actually, yeah. But it's still... Out of, out of 480? 70. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, Not bad. Okay, I will say about this one. I don't hate the song because it has got a, a... Yes, it is naive, but that naive charm about it, you can't help but smile when listening to this song because it is just really silly, but that's what makes it such a cool song. And you know, it's one of those things. You never know, is he serious or is he just taking the mickey? I had the thought just before when I listened to it that this is probably the closest he ever got to Zappa in terms of, you know, these really cheeseball lyrics that are, are funny and sort of nonsensical and and just all-round strange. But, you know, the song sounds like it would have sounded better if it was released by, like, you know, Hendrix in 1970 or something. <laughs> it's just strange. You know, it's the, it's the early 80s and, you know, Vietnam's finished and yet he's still kind of singing about... Like, I know there's the Cold War and everything, but... It just—it seems like it—it's an old Vietnam song that just never saw the light of day when it should have, in some ways. And I, lo- I do like the way the you know the sound effects, like the machine gun and the you know the, the guns going off. They kind of uh, they play the role of like the drum fill. So where there'd be a drum fill, you hear mm. these you know machine guns yeah. going off. Uh, that's that's really cool. How can you not forget the organ? Just that organ all yeah. the way through. Yeah, real classic you know rock rockabilly kind of thing. And you know, the lyric, Ronnie, if you're dead before I get to meet you, that's just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Don't say serious, I didn't warn you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's serious, I, I can't tell, to be honest. If he's serious there, he's clearly insane. Yeah. Uh, or if he's, if he's <laughs> taking the mickey, which I'd suggest is probably more likely. That's just hilarious. 
<laughs> because, you know, it's almost like, and the same with the song Controversy, you know, he wasn't, he was famous, but he wasn't that famous yet. And yet he's talking about, oh, I'm so controversial and, you know, Ron, if you're dead before I get to meet you, you know, he's, it's such an ego on him. But that's what, that's what makes Prince Prince, I think. Mm. The interesting thing is this album came out in October 81. Ronald Reagan's attempted assassination was in March 1981. Mm. Yeah. So in that context, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. He's already been attempted to be assassinated once. So he yeah. says, okay, it might happen again. So if you're dead before I get to meet you, it makes sense that way. Yeah. It okay. sounds like he's been listening to too much Zappa. <laughs> or maybe not enough. No, not enough. I, yeah. Not enough. <laughs> not enough. Because it just, this is like completely out of Zappa's book. And, and the funny thing is, now I'll just quickly add that not only does it sound like Zappa in general, but it sounds very much like Zappa in the early 80s because Zappa was at his most satirical and political mm-hmm. um, somewhere between the years of, of um, 80 and 85, let's say. And, you know, 80 and 81, he released a couple albums where they were like, these sorts of songs were on there. So anyway, I just, I always found that odd, that, that little link. And I wonder if Prince would recognize that or whether he's ever heard of Zappa anyway, but you'd imagine he would have. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, I, sorry to I don't have much more to say. It's a very naive song, but it's a very fun song as well. One of those ones that, you know, you do tend to forget about. And when you listen to it, you end up really getting into the spirit of the thing, even though it's kind of strange. But I'll just finish by saying it's very interesting the way it ends when you know, it counts in one, two, three, four, and then it changes tempo completely. But mm. I'll get to that with the next track. Okay, player. Ronnie, talk to Russia. Is it the jam or what? Uh, I'd have to co-sign with um, Toe Jam. It is a fun song, but it is naive, and I don't know, it's just filler. I think this would work better as a B-side, because it just sort of seems it's stuck in to the second side, and it doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't really do anything. It's not really linked to anything, it's just sort of put in there, and I think it's just maybe like a political statement for the sake of it. But yeah, I mean, it is a fun track, but I, I mean, if it wasn't there, it wouldn't faze me either. So, yeah, it's a good song. How good is a guitar solo? It's awesome. Yeah. Just the first note of that guitar solo. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> like, I think the rest of the record makes him, like, cutting edge, whereas this song makes it cheesy, and it kind of breaks breaks it a bit. It's not like it's it's bad, but it just kind of detracts from the rest of it, whereas, like, he's, he's testing the waters and, and breaking new ground with other songs. It's just, this is like, uh, you know. I actually... Funny I, with the title, like, the title, Ronnie Talk to Russia, you, you can imagine seeing that title and thinking it's going to be a song like Dear Mr. Man that's really serious and straight to the point, you know, but it's mm. just not what you expect from the title. <laughs> I actually kind of disagree with the player and with Toe Jam, and um, I, don't, I wouldn't quite go all the way with Captain and saying this is a, an ingenious song, but I almost think it's ingenious in the, in the sense that he has Prince created a genre here, rockabilly punk? I mean, because you think about it, you think about the synths and the vocal lines and the chorus, and then you think about everything, the off-kilter stuff that's happening below it. It sounds like, I don't know, like um, Black Flag or No Effects or like Bad Brains or something. Like, you know, like kind of ska punk bands, even Mm -hmm. a bit of more mainstream stuff. It's so odd. And putting those two together, I can imagine most people turning this on going, oh, what is this noise? What is this rubbish? And just skipping till that's work, which is fair enough, you know, different strokes, but... There's a lot that's been said about Prince combining genres, but I've never heard anyone talk about how he's combined particular genres here. So he's going punk rock, the undercurrent. On top of all that is, like I said, the synths and the vocals are like rockabilly. Then he's got more kind of mainstream rock guitar, and then it distorts. It's got a Hendrix vibe to it, I think. Yeah. I think it's got a Devo vibe to it. <laughs> a little bit Devo, actually, yeah. With the, with the vocals, do you think? or this? Yeah, and the, yeah, both. So it's 
it's a very strange, strange track and half serious, half piss take. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that it's that it's really serious at all. But I just think, like I said, you know, combining two very distinct elements together, I, I've never heard before. Uh, maybe someone else has done it. I'm sure they have, but strange for Prince. So, Ronnie Talk to Russia was released by Anna Fantastic in 1988. Really? At, really? As a single. <laughs> that, that is even yeah. weirder I have to than... hear that. But I've, I've never heard it, but it was released. Well, and anyone what, have and what a copy? connection. And, and that's, that if anyone has a copy of that, strange. let us know, because I want to hear that. Interesting. But it was released under the name Cherie, not under Anna Fantastic. <laughs> this is becoming like a wild goose chase, this thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I smell a red herring. I smell yeah. a red herring somewhere. <laughs> plus, plus, this version is three minutes thirty-four long, more than double the original's length. <laughs> so there you go. If anyone has that, let us know. I want to hear that. Every day's a lesson on the Peach and Black podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so off we go into track number six. Let's work. Work it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know the history of this track. It was originally called Let's Rock, and apparently it was a dance craze, and Prince wanted to release it, and Warner said no, and then the dance craze died off, so it got changed to Let's Work. The beat is identical to Head, so again, they've taken like a previous track and kind of updating it. Can I just I'm, say there... I missed that player. That's interesting. I never thought of it. I'll just say, the um, with the Jason Draper interview and when Warners refused to release Crystal Ball mm. and they wanted to cut it down to Sign of the Times and whatever, in, the, in his book he said, oh, that was really the start of the Warners problems. But mm. then you go back to this. This was probably the, the first thing that we know of. Well, that's, a, that's a really good point. <laughs> mm. Which is interesting. I mean, mm. that far back, it's only, what, the fourth album. <laughs> Sorry, player. <laughs> Go. No, that's all right. But yeah, this is, a, this is a great track. And I think what really drives this track is the bass line. And like, if you ask any bass player, they'll reference this song for, the, for its bass lick. It's, it's a great track. But, and here, here's the controversial part of this controversy review. Is it brown mark on the bass? No, I don't think so, no. No, it's yeah, Prince. Sounds like Prince to me. It definitely does, but a couple of sources have credited Brown Mark. No official sources, but a couple of sources have credited. Well, this is this album does have the full credits, doesn't it? Supposedly, it tells you which song. Well, supposedly, isn't only Jackie off the band effort? Someone get it. Someone get him out. Get out the credits. I don't have I'm mine. It's in the Prince. car. Okay. Toe Jam? Well, let's just start with the bass line. It's possibly one of the best bass lines ever. Yeah. Uh, definitely one of the Prince's best bass lines. It's just this funky thing. I love the way it starts, you know, with just the groove. And then when he comes in with the first vocal, it's just, he's screaming it straight up. It's cool. I've had my eyes on you. 
straight onto it. You know, like just bang straight up to it. And I love in the chorus how the this there's sort of two synths going on. There's this synth that's sort of just playing these octaves, and then there's the actual synth line. And it, so both of them together mm. kind of splinters through. Uh, and then those synth horns after the um, chorus. That's just that's funk on a stick right there. That's awesome. Yeah. All the way through the song as well. In the right speaker, there's this really crunchy guitar, and it's similar to Controversy in that it just plays pretty much right the way through the song, and it's answering what's happening in the rest of the song, and it's it's different every time. It just adds, so it doesn't get too repetitive, um, the song. And again, with the bass line, halfway through the song, when it goes to that chant, um, the bass line changes. You know, it has a bit more space, a bit more syncopation to it, and it's I can never work out which one I prefer, but they're both funky ass. Do you know what I'm talking about there with the bass yeah. lines? Uh, I'm gonna have to listen to it again. Well, the first time it goes like do 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 do, you know, pretty straight, and then halfway through it, it changes. It's a lot more rhythmic. Do 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 do. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, it's funky as. I can definitely hear the head reference that player mentioned. You can kind of see how their ones come from the other, and it's it's a one of those brilliant live tracks as well. Um, maybe a little overdone live, um, but it's still kicks every time he plays it i think and, and it's one of those songs that really sort of represent the album i think and the era uh, so it's it's brilliant yeah. captain get to it work it let's work okay <laughs> you don't sound too enthused okay no this this is everyone said it it's probably one of his funkiest bass lines ever this is another song that still gets played now because it's good it's that simple it's a good song, and he likes to play it. He can grab his bass, and off you go. It's not one of my favorite songs. I won't skip it, but I'll never go. Oh, to, I'll never skip to it either. It's just—it's probably not even in my top 100 print songs. Really? Because I, I can I see that, got this album. This was the song I'd like: "Controversy, Sexuality," and this one. I would, I, they're the three I just play over and over and over. I probably don't play this one as much anymore. But yeah, this came pretty high in the best print songs as well. But I just don't get it. Well, the thing the thing yeah. is, let's work as the way I always understood it was he was talking about doing it. Yeah, it, it, the lyrics are pretty obvious. So I mean, that's what he's talking about, right? That's what he's singing about. Work all right. We're going to work all night. I mean, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Hmm. <laughs> Unless he's doing uh, the night shift at the local Burger King joint. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Wycliffe. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's up there with his best songs. But it, again, it doesn't mean it's one of my favourites, or I have to, uh, that I like it that much. Yeah, it's about all I got to say. Except coming after Ronnie Talk to Russia, it can only be a step down for me because I love Ronnie Talk to Russia so much. <laughs> Any song that came after that is going to be like, oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah. I think it's a classic jam. It's it's got that nice two and four beat. One of his funkiest bass lines ever, if not his funkiest. I'd say probably this and some of the time material, the early time material together, uh, some of the funkiest bass work he's done. And the drums, though, like they're so tight with the bass. Like they've just been wound up. And um, mm. the synths, all the synthesizers, they sound way fatter on this song than they do on any other song on this album, I think. Really thick and richly produced really nice i don't know what he's done there but they sound really good and for me this song is more than any other song on this album a precursor to what would come on 1999 sound wise i think like all the elements on this song are really like he went with that the jam of let's work and he and he replicated those a lot of those elements and developed them more fully in things like 1999 in delirious in 
DMSR, obviously, and just, you know, use that as a blueprint, I think, especially with the base work. And the base work, in particular, at three minutes, literally at three, like, on the dot at three minutes, just sounds ridiculously funky. And I remember, I think, reading or hearing someone talking about Prince playing ghost notes in some of these bass licks. Now, I don't know what they are. Maybe someone musically schooled can tell me what that means. What does that actually mean? He's kind of um, plucking the string without actually pressing the fret down all the way. So you just get this sort of thunk kind of sound, but it doesn't it's really have a pitch. Percussive. It's a percussive thing. Yeah, it doesn't oh, really okay. have a pitch to it, and it sounds cool. So this song probably has a lot of the, from the baseline point of view anyway, is is might be the most obvious example of um, Larry Graham's influence So up to his career at that point, probably then. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I'd say. It's a very mm. Larry G influenced baseline, I think. From just from the sound of it, anyway. Yeah, it's but it, it is one of those sleeper funk tracks. I don't know why. Like a, a song with as good a bassline here that that he's got here should should have been bigger. And I think the thing that doesn't take Let's Work from good status to like great status, like controversy, is um number one. And this is going to sound very strange coming from me. Obviously, I didn't write the song, but I think the tempo could go up just slightly. And it would be, it'd have a lot more like propensity to the to the rhythm, and maybe would be more of a dance floor filler. I don't know. I just I feel that. And the other thing that that I think is, I think it needs more changes. It just kind of, all right. He, he settles into the groove, and it doesn't have the same sort of appeal that maybe um, sexuality or controversy have. And maybe it's because they're a little bit faster. But I don't know. Does anyone does anyone else hear that? It kind of eventually the even as funky as the bassline, it it just the song kind of just flattens out a bit. It, it does feel a tiny bit slow for me. Yeah. But I don't know if making it faster would fix that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe speeding up a little bit and a bit more changes. Uh, I mean, look, I know I'm talking about one of Prince's better funk songs here, but I don't know. I always had that impression. That's my only slight criticism. And then that takes us into track number seven. Have we got any takers for this one before we head into the last song? Any Christian... Tumbleweeds. Okay. Uh, It's a strange one. (laughs) It's a strange one. I've been talking for a little bit, so I don't want to. I don't want to go into my review of it. So who who who's putting their hand up for this? Any Christian? Any Christ? Uh, I'll take it. I guess. Okay, take Jim. Well, I said earlier, if there was ever a song to prove that Prince was in Prince World, if you had any (laughs) second doubts, this is the other one. It's some pretty strange stuff he's singing about. <laughs> uh, I can, I've never been able to fully decipher it. It's kind of strange. Living in taxi cabs, some strange references to killing people, and oh, very dark stuff. And the, the music is, is very dreamlike. It's the dream song. Uh, some really nightmare songs. Yeah, it's a strange <laughs> chord progression. It's sort of this E minor, then it goes down a semitone, then up to F. It's just. Very strange chord progression, but it seems to work. And the guitars, the guitars all the way through. It's kind of this bubbling kind of thing, very hypnotic kind of song. And then at the, at the end of the song, you've got this repetitive, very very strange. 
that that bit actually that's a bit of a Larry Graham influence, I think. I forget which Larry Graham song, but it, it's a song that has that similar kind of just those three notes that sort of repeat to finish off the song. And all those bits in the in the middle where he's like, "Everybody say electric chair," and what's the other one? Everyone gun say control. gun control, and it's like again, you don't know. Is he saying yes, we should do those things, or is he is he sort of saying no that we shouldn't do these things? I can never I can never decipher it. Hmm. Very strange track. Very interesting. Listen though, just again, it just shows his versatility that he can write you know these Raspberry Beret Kiss songs, you know, so effortlessly. Uh, but then he can also write these really strange songs that can be interpreted in so many different ways. So, you know, more credit to him. You could say this was an avant purple song, <laughs> <laughs> if there ever was one. But I think there's definitely an undercurrent of, you know, some of his religious beliefs coming through here as well. I think at this point in his career, and it's sort of all the, all the way through it, like he's got these, this religious thing going on, but... It's it you know there must be some conflict in his mind there with the political messages the religion the sex like I don't know how he puts it all together but it's <laughs> very it's very strange. Uh, player, what do you think about any Christian? Uh, I'm with Tajem on this. It is strange. It is a strange track. In and a good it's, way. Yeah. Yeah, in a good way, and it's it's unique. Like he's not seeing the song. It's almost like he's telling a story. It's, it's spoken word, and yeah, it's I don't know like. I wouldn't say a doctrine or anything, but it's it's kind of like I don't know. It's just this, he sings this, it as if sorry to butt in, but he no, no, no. sings it like as if he's hypnotized as well. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, just I don't know. Strange. That part of it's strange, but I really like the music. It, it kind of adds to the strangeness of it as well, and just the synths and the the sped up beat, and it's just I don't know. It is cool, but. I mean, after it was performed a few times in the controversy tour, he's never revisited this song. So, you know, I think even Prince himself might have might think it's a bit weird now. So, but yeah, I mean, I like it. It's good, but it's not. You know, it's not as accessible as all these other tracks. So, it is unique and it is, I don't know, a bit cutting edge and yeah, avant garde and kind of like a forward thinking track. But yeah, it's kind of like. At the same time, it's it does reference things happening at that time, like shooting Lennon and the killer in Atlanta and all that. Like there, there were things that were happening at that time. But yeah, it's just it's just it's a very almost strange like, shot. Yeah, he's, he's picking up all the world's problems at that point and point, yeah. putting them onto this sort of mythical character. Which is yeah, yeah. And so it does date the song, but it's kind of I don't know. He's trying to be like a futuristic fortune teller but just I don't know it's just a strange song but it is good I, I like the instrumentation more than anything in the song Captain what are your thoughts on this okay there's a there's a lot to say about this song as weird as it is just on what a player said how the things that happened around that time like Lennon and Atlanta and a day in the life by the Beatles is exactly the same it's just random things out of that day's newspaper but not, I suppose, not as specific. But then again, 10,000 holes in the Blackpool Lancashire is pretty specific, but it doesn't date the song. Like, do you think it dates this song, the references he um, uses in this? I don't know. Because as soon as this song came out, it was about things that happened in the past. You can listen to it now, and it's still about things that happened in the past. So I don't know how it really dates it. I mean, those things happened longer ago than when the, it came out, but they're still about things in the past, so I don't know. But in what I think Toe Jam said, 
about it being um, how it's commenting on things that are happening at that time. That's exactly what Sign of the Times was as well. Mm. This is a really early version of that track. Yeah, that's right. But, but with a weird twist. But, um, okay, this is a tie with Do Me Baby as most skippable track. I usually skip this and Do Me Baby. I just don't listen to them that much. It's just so weird. It's so sparse. There's this weird reverb on the vocals. It's a weird subject matter. Whatever he's talking about is like he's taking all these evil things and putting them onto this one character. Like, yeah, she she did all these things. It's just weird. I mean, and, and then you've got the I'll live my life in taxi cabs. I mean, what the hell was he be? I don't know what that is. It doesn't mean anything to, to me. Maybe it means something to him. There's some cool guitar in there, but overall it's just weird. I suppose the most interesting thing is just the experimentation of it and the interesting sounds. Like the last minute, minute and a half, there's some weird things going on, but he, he's trying to do something different, which is good. He could have just done, you know, Controversy Part 2, but he did something different, which is good. So uh, all up, it's weird. Pretty skippable for me, yeah. Let me close out, Andy Christian. Um, I don't. I haven't given my review of this, have I? No. Okay, uh, Andy Christian, the avant-garde, more experimental track on the album, with some very direct political overtones in the lyrics, with some crazy spazzed-out drum programming and vocal effects, some delay <laughs> on the voice, and weird stuff, trippy echoes all over the shop, kind of electric harpsichord sounding synths as well, I don't know what he's doing there, the guitar is the star, <laughs> completely awesome off-kilter playing, one of his strangest and most out there songs, this is my second favourite track on the Controversy album. Wow. By far. Like, liar, liar, liar! If, if, <laughs> fair is fair. Uh, if Controversy wasn't just an unbelievably ear-catching, like just an earworm jam of a song, I'd say Any Christian would be my favourite my favorite song on this entire album. I remember we were talking about earlier... Um, I love Zappa. You love all this weird stuff. Of course you love it. Yeah, except there's nothing funny about this song. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's... <laughs> it's a comedy. It's just really dark and really dark overtones. But the thing is, when I got this album, and it was one of the first, like Toe Jam said earlier, it was one of the, his first Prince albums, and, and I heard this, even though I liked a lot of the other stuff, nothing, and I mean nothing on this album or anything else I was listening to at that time in my life, affected me this much. It was just... I just kept listening to this song over and over again. I'd and get think, to track thinking, seven. what's this about? <laughs> oh, yeah, and I was just like... I, and I still haven't figured it out. And you know what? Like, that is incredible because it's not an idiotic song by any means, I don't think, anyway. And it's not so all over the shop either. It's just... It's a bit dissonant, and there's some strange stuff going on there, but then again, it keeps a fairly steady beat for the most part. The playing on there isn't particularly... You know, it's not like... When I say avant-garde, it's not John Cage-type music. <laughs> you know, it's not... It's not really, music, really... yeah. For pop yeah, it's, music, it's it is, out there. But for pop music, it's out there, and it's out there for this album. And I don't know. I've just never been able to get over this song. If there was ever a song that I would lose my mind if he ever played live again, even just instrumentally. But although I think the, the vocals are make it as well, it would be this. Like, you know, I always talk about wanting to hear Endorphin Machine. But if any Christian came on, I'd just lose mm. it. 
is just so... This song has so many balls. He has... So, I mean, you would you need huge balls to put this as the second last song on on the album that you think is going to get you some attention, and maybe that's why he did it. I think I, um, just on this, he, he's amazing at creating an atmosphere, and I think with this song, it's not about decipher. Well, maybe it is to him, but it's to me, it's not about deciphering the lyrics. It's not about what's he trying to say. It's just this atmosphere, isn't it? And it's the all the things, things, yeah, all the things come together. The, like the lyrics, they don't make sense but they all contribute to this mood and this atmosphere. And that, that's what he's brilliant at doing. And so words are struggle to, you know, describe this song, this, the, the feeling and the sound that it has. That's how I feel, yeah. And it's so electric. Like, the sound is so mm. electric. And it's so... It's just trippy. Like, I know we were talking about pop music, but it really is on the outer fringes of what I would call a pop song. In fact, I wouldn't even call this a pop song. It's almost progressive, and, um, you know, sometimes people really put it on, and I think he's putting it on as well. He's doing it a little bit here, and he's doing it a little bit in Ronnie Talk to Russia and in other songs, but it's just so odd. It's one of the oddest things, if not the oddest thing, he's ever done. For me, it's in the same league as Had You or something. Like, yeah. obviously, very different songs, but just so unique. The minute you hear it, you know you're never going to hear anything like that again, at least not by this artist. Yes, this is my second favorite song, and I sometimes I don't get to jack you off because I just put this on repeat. And the the guitar is, a, is <laughs> it's almost like a um, it's almost like a a uh, precursor to the the solo in Computer Blue. Does anyone hear that? It, yeah. It kind of touches oh, on, yeah. on similar points. Yeah. Um, whether it's shock value, I don't even care if that's all it is. Because what comes through my headphones when I hear this is just... It's beyond words. And, and that's how I can finish... That's the only way I'm going to be able to finish the review of this track. It's like it's just something I cannot describe, but I love hearing. That's it. I can't describe the song anymore, but I but, love but listening love it. to it. Just the fa- same effect that Ronnie Took to Russia has on New Captain, probably, because they're just mm. such strange songs. This one has even more so for me. You know, it's like just punk attitude all the way, and yeah. he never really got that back. You know, the minute '99 came in, then he was too cool. Yeah, it just became it just became more kind of. I don't know. They're, they're, he's still t- he's still taking risks, but I think this is probably the end of that really brash, rude boy persona. And he really hasn't he really hasn't done too much more um, uh, up this alley. Maybe something like loose off come like that that type of stuff. Like he just comes out with these random experiments sometimes, and hmm. just really like you know they, they make you they make you check yourself. You think, well, what am I really listening to? It's just a bit odd for a right. supposed pop musician. Anyway. One thing Tojam said about the gun control and... The references. Electric chair. Gun control, electric and- chair. And you said you're not sure if he's for or against it. Maybe that's not the point, though. Yeah. Maybe the point is just that he's mentioning them because mm-hmm. this is his, like, political statement album. He doesn't have to have an opinion. He can just say this, this, and this, and he's talked about it, even though he's made no comment on it. But just by including it, it makes it political. Whether he says he's for or against the electric chair or gun control, just the fact that he mentioned it makes people, because that's a big issue at the time, people are going to listen to it and go, oh, isn't this, isn't this current? Mm. This is new. He's such a controversial character. Yeah, even though he said nothing about it. Yeah, it's interesting. But you know how we we speak a lot about how he mixes different genres, different styles, different sounds. We always say, oh, look at all that stuff that's going on in the background. There is so much going on in the background here. It's crazy. Yeah. It's going in all directions. And then that guitar just explodes. It's just weird-ass stuff. 
Like this type of these types of so- sounds, he would have been. I have no doubt he would have been listening to this type of music in the under under underground. Like if he was touring New York at that time or whatever, this stuff would have been similar things would have been being played. Even like really early Husker do, just like really punk sounds. And not punk in the commercial sense, but just kind of um Yeah, I know what you mean, like C B G B um yes. kind of talking talking heads, all that yeah. sort of spawned from those kind of clubs and stuff. Yeah. It's kinda of like he's gone and taken all the elements and he's really put it out there. On a made record. it himself. Yeah. Sounds scary. <laughs> it does, yeah. So um that brings us to <laughs> Jack You Off. Okay. You just had to say. I just had to say. This finishes it off and... Um, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the happy ending part of the, the Peach and Black yep. podcast. Oh, um, wow. Going there. I never Ooh, even thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> this song is the last track and it's the happy ending. That is hilarious. <laughs> He's got a sense of humor, this little guy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I never even thought of that. That's good. So, let's do a quick uh, quick discussion on this track. Are there any fans in the house? Any fans yes. in the house? Okay. Yes. Captain, why don't you lead us what off? What about the song, Captain? This is another favorite song of mine on the album. A great, great song. Happy. It's a happy, happy, joy, joy song. Plenty of good memories. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've talked about before. I can't remember. There's a few other songs where he's matched up one certain style of lyrics with a totally unexpected style of music. I mean, Ronnie talked to Rush as one of them. Here's my political message with total nonsense music. <laughs> and, and this is another one. This is whatever this song's about to this ridiculous sing-along. It's just hilarious. Hmm. I mean, if you just read the lyrics to this song and had never heard the music and, and you were told, okay, what sort of music would you imagine for this song? It wouldn't be this, Right. <laughs> it just unless you're him, I suppose. Who knows? Yeah, I don't but, think so. But that's that's why Prince is Prince. That that this is his idea of, you know, that's how it works. But I love this rockabilly stuff he tried around this era. You've got Ronnie Talk to Russia, sort of. You've got Tick Tick Bang, original version, broken, horny toad. Got to stop messing about. All that Delirious. sort of stuff are excellent. Delirious, more blues, but still, yeah. Great. You've got this role reversal thing, as you know, Jack You Off was usually used to describe what you do to a guy, and he's flipped it and he's saying about it to a girl, which is interesting. Um, was he the first to do that? Who knows? Well, I'm thinking just on that point, what stops you from thinking that he's actually playing the part or at least singing the part of the girl in the relationship. That's the other way to do it, I guess. Because that's always the way that I, t- I I took it. I was like, well, I'm a bit uncomfortable here. How's this going to make sense to me? Oh, that's right. He's playing the girl. Now it all makes Which sense. He does as well in some songs. But I took it to be the other way. 
But yeah, it could be that way. Who knows? But yeah, I, he, I took it as he's saying it about a girl. Well, hopefully, says that to a female. Some great guitar in this track. You get to like 153 and here we go. It's just great. And I think this is the first track to include the letter U, meaning the word U, Prince Bonnick's originator. I would kill for a whole album of tracks like this. Actually, I could probably make one with all the songs that he's done like that. That'd be a good album. But this is a great track. It's the great happy ending to the album. All right, all right. Uh, player. Yeah, it's based on 8-Bar Blues. It's a three-chord rockabilly song. It's the first ever live band recording to appear on a Prince record. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, is it? So it was a one-man band until then. Yeah. That's a pretty momentous occasion. And I think it's good, but I think he masters it on the next record with um, Delirious. It's like this is the blueprint, and then he's just taken this and refined it and made it better with Delirious. Oh, I think this is better than Delirious. Yeah. It does have its charm and, and all that to it, but I think he just sort of perfects it on on that on that song. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good song. It's a good ending. That's it. Toe Jam. I don't have a whole lot to say on this one. Um, This, to me, is probably the most skippable, being that it's the oh. last song. Not that it's bad. I just sort of, what, by the time I listen to it and get to Annie Christian, I'm normally... I'm normally done. Um, <laughs> you had your happy ending early. He <laughs> <laughs> um, had it during Private Joy. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, comparing it to Delirious, because they are obviously similar tracks, and, you know, I love the 1999 album, but I'm kind of thinking, yeah, maybe, you know, Jackie Off is a bit more, uh, a bit raunchier, a bit rockier. Yeah, and it's got that classic organ sort of sound in it again. Yeah, not a whole lot to say about it. This whole rockabilly thing that he had going. Also, I forgot to mention in, in Sexuality, there's a bit in there where he does a real classic Elvis. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. What's to that. be expected? I that. Three minus three. Uh-huh. That's That's it. It. Yeah. I've never heard that. <laughs> Absolutely <to> <laughs> nothing. <laughs> That's so stupid. No, but it just goes to show, like, he, you know, he's influenced by so many different <laughs> styles of music. So. Like, for him to throw in Elvis references and rockabilly into his bag of funk and rock and, you know, it's just... He's all over the place musically in a great way. So, yeah, I'll leave it there, I think. You've just got me thinking, Tajam, before I give my brief final thoughts. Is this the... And I don't think it is, but I'll ask the question. Is this the album where Prince basically packs in as many genres as he literally can? Uh, Again, eight not- songs, yeah. Mm. Well, in an album... Uh, I guess, unfortunately, Son of the Times has two. Well, not unfortunately, but because Son of the Times has two discs worth of material, I guess, it's a bit different. But I was surprised, listening back to this week, I was surprised because in my head I always had it that, oh, you know, this album's sort of all over the place. But, you know, it is a bit more consistent than I had remembered. There are sort of motifs and themes that kind of run through the album, the lyrics, the jangly guitars, the sort of mix, you know, the synthy funk rock. It, It is a lot more consistent than I remembered. Hmm. So... To, uh, to bring up um, Jason Draper again, he said this was a confused record, <laughs> and I said, I don't think so. And now that I've listened to it a lot the last few weeks, I agree even more. It's, it's Prince saying, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, look at all the different things I can do. But he's done that on a lot of albums since. Yeah. So I don't know why this is any more confused than any other album. Well, yeah. in a way, it was him really branching out into the, all these different genres and styles more than anything that came before. Again, it's it's this really embryonic stage of his career. Still. And, and a lot of people prefer Dirty Mind, saying, oh, it's better than controversy. But you listen to Dirty Mind, and where's the diversity in that? It's all 
I don't know, it seems all very similar. It's all got the same sound. I mean, you can say it's all raw and it's demo-like, but it's there's not a lot of diversity in it, if you look if at anything, it that way. If anything, the confusion is kind of part of the theme of the album, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It is fairly wide-ranging. One thing that I, um, and, and this forms part of my final thoughts, is is that basically one thing that I realized when, in listening to this album and thinking about having to talk about it and, and discuss it is I can't believe I never thought this in all these years of being a Prince fan, but this is, Controversy is a guitar-heavy album. I can't believe yeah. I just said that, and I can't believe yeah. I never knew it. I never ever associated it or identified it with the guitar really i always thought you know controversy sexuality private joy let's work they're all like jams funk jams jack you off bit of rockability then there's a couple of odd tracks but i never like controversy major guitar element sexuality major guitar and then every other track after that except for doomy baby has got major guitar elements this is like a really kind of to me now an off-kilter punk attitude style release that's how i'm considering it and it's really the the first and last time he maybe was as true to his creative instincts in a really raw way i don't know just a comment to throw in like you know i know he's done sign and and love sexy and all those other things but this was kind of more for lack of a better term more kind of primal i mean even you even listen uh sorry even reading some of these Song titles, Sexuality, Private Joy, Jack You Off, obviously, but Doomy Baby, they're all sort of very, um, it's, it's like a carnal record. Primal <laughs> is a great word. That describes the album very well, I think. Yeah, raw. Yeah. And it, it's raw, and then it's got all, it's quickly becoming one of my favorite Prince albums ever, and especially after this review, I don't know how you guys are feeling, but it's just, it's got all these elements, you know, it's got your funk, it's got the ballad, it's got this other weird stuff, um, and it's got a little bit more funk, it's got some humor, it's relatively well produced. I want to hear this on remastered vinyl. I can't wait. Mm. And for the most part, it's not dated either. I think I completely disagree with you. I reckon it's entirely dated. The whole thing? There's elements that that is. You can say it's dated, but what's wrong with that? Well, I think it comes from... I listened to it just before we went into this review and I couldn't get... It's just so 1981, everything about it. Because it is. Except for Annie Christian, which is probably like from... Twenty one hundred and thirty eight, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah, it sounds like nine eighty one. It's from it's from thirty one twenty one. I should have said that would have been a better. It's it sounds like it's from nine eighty one because it is, <laughs> and that's fine. It is fine, but you but see, when I think of nineteen eighty one, I think of like yacht rock and the chariots of fire thing and everything else that came out yeah. in eighty one. I don't and remember we... anything from nineteen eighty one, so <laughs> I've got no reference point. So. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like you listen to this and it's like, yeah, you know. But, but yeah, there is cheesy there elements was, into it. I think there was a lot happening in 1981 that the four of us aren't aware of, like mm. underground, you know, mm. the underground music scene. of. From time to time when you read music press or you listen to people talk about like different eras, I always get this image in my head about what the late 70s, early 80s would have looked like. And I, I think there was a lot of crazy stuff happening that never really reached the surface. Yeah. And part of what makes this album great is it touches on that time. And for me, I think that's particularly the, the reason why it dates it so much. I'm not saying that the songs are dated in that they're not listenable anymore. I think they're very listenable, but it's... it's um, Like, 19, the album 1999, you could play whenever... And it would just sound awesome. This is more like uh, maybe it's the political stuff, you know. 
yeah, everything from the front cover to the lyrics to the political overtones. I don't know. But, yeah, it's a great release. Uh, are we going to score this or...? Yeah. It's not hard for me to score this album. This was the album that helped him to the next level. You got Dirty Mind, Controversy, uh, 1999, Purple Rain. It just went up and up and up. There's really only two songs I don't love, Do Me Baby and Annie Christian, but it's going to be eight and a half out of ten. <laughs> Very solid release. Uh, I was going to go nine. <laughs> Pardon the pun. But <laughs> that is bad. Th- that's terrible. <laughs> that is pretty terrible. I mean, what are we really doing but yeah, like I said before, it's him showing showing off that, you know, I can do all these different types of music. You got you already went through it, MC. You got the funk track, you got the funk pop, you got the big mushy ballad, you got political rockabilly, another funky track, the weird out there experimental track, and a bit more rockabilly pop just for fun. Yeah. That's a pretty good combo if you ask me. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Eight and a half out of ten. Yeah. Jam. Oh, man, this is part of me that really wants to give this a nine, but I don't know if I can do that. I'm going to give it an eight. But I think what this album has going for it is the freshness. You know, we've talked about all the genres, but what kind of ties it together for me is this sort of fresh attitude to it. Um, mm. Because he's, he's so young at the time, and, you know, like we've been saying throughout the whole album, you know, this is the first time he did this and the first time he did this. And so he, he's maybe in future albums, he improved on, on some of those elements. Uh, it's the rawness and the freshness that kind of ties it all together. Hmm. Uh, and there are some absolutely classic Prince songs on this. Controversy, Sexuality, Do Me Baby, Let's Work. Let's work. Those, those four, like, that is, you know, you can't get more classic Prince than those, I think. And the other tracks are interesting. There's not a, there's not a moment on this album where I really think he's coasting. There's always something interesting to listen to. But I think, yeah, the only, the only thing that's stopping me from giving it a nine is that with that freshness also comes a little bit of naivety and a little bit of lack of a polish that I think he really nailed on the next album, which we'll save for another time. But it's, you know, it, it's an amazing album. I can't wait to listen to it again after this review either as well. <laughs> All right. So did you give it a score? I gave it an eight. Okay, eight. Eight, eight and a half player, we'll go to you. Uh, I'll give it the nine then. Nine? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I didn't just think you such a big fan. I do have albums that are, I consider more favorite and I would give a higher number, but we'll get to those. But, you know, he's so driven on this album and pushing the envelope and creating... You know, like we said before, it's the genesis of the Minneapolis sound. It's this, It all stems from here and... Just the fact that it's from here and it, and it just goes forward and it's like, kind of like an experimental album where he's he's taking the instrumentation and he's he uses it to really develop his sound and so for that I've got to give it the like the nine out of ten. Such a cool Ooh. album. Yeah, like I said, there's part of me that really wants to give it a nine, but yeah. I just I just can't because I know there's a few albums that I that I'm going to save those kind of scores for. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that leaves me. This album is often overlooked. Like we said, a lot of people say that Dirty Mind is, you know, such a classic raw release, and then 1999 is the massive breakthrough that kind of mm. cre- creates a, a pop idol out of him to a degree. And I don't know that that's fair. Like That's not th- fair because without controversy, you wouldn't have had 1999 as yeah, it is. It's just such a critical step. And like Tajem said, there's just so many classic songs on this release that you can't deny. Yeah, you just can't deny. And you have to, 
they're just there. They come up in a live setting and they come up a lot. Um, is it a work of genius? I'd say it is. I'd say it's the first glimpse into the genius of Prince in his career. And it was, you know, 1981, fourth album in. Because everything before this was still within a certain formula. Even Dirty Mind, everything on that record was formulaic musically. It's just that it sounded really raw. And the themes were a bit risque and all that. But this has some strange stuff happening. He's really mixing genres, like I said. It fuses politics, sexuality, spirituality all together. And it's, what's the word I'm looking for? As a, For lack of a better term, it's parts of this record are subversive. And they're, like I said, punk rock oriented and all that. But on the other hand, I can't give it a, I don't feel like it deserves a 9 or a 10 like you guys have said, because there's just there are albums that outshine it overall. So my final score on this, what are there? There's eight tracks. I can't do my normal thing here because it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say, with the exception of one or two songs that I think are less than average, I like the bulk of the album. So I go with a um, with an eight, a solid eight. Yeah. 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 It's just a brilliant, brilliant release. So um, that Talk closes out album. the review. <laughs> no, I, I have. I think I said before, but this is this is his best album so far. You know, at this point, by a long stretch, I think. No, no, no. It's not. It's not though. Dirty Mind is so close behind it for me. Hmm. But this just beats out Dirty Mind. It's so close for me. D- Parts of Dirty Mind, as good as they are, they sound. He still sounds like a kid, whereas here he's really mm. in his element. It's like the Prince, like we've said a few times. Prince really, the Prince element comes alive. And uh, yeah, one think, quick, sorry. I was just gonna say, sorry, just one last thing before I forget. Um, this was listed as the twenty-fifth gayest album of all time <laughs> in uh, in Attitude, which is a magazine from the UK. Attitude magazine's top fifty gay albums of all time list. So I just wanted to put that in there. Do they mean gay as in lame, or do they mean gay as in homosexual? Homosexual, homosexual sorry. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Really? I think it's the shower poster that did it, Captain. Ah, could what, have been. What was <laughs> number one? Uh, I can't remember. I can try and bring up the list. Uh, I think it was something by the Scissor Sisters. Oh, yeah. That, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So, is or, Attitude or Queen, magazine? Or Queen. Like a- it, it was like Scissor... I think Attitude is a gay magazine because um, like Scissor Sisters, ABBA, George Michael, Kylie Minogue, Madonna, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Pet Shop Boys, Grace Jones, all that kind of stuff. Wow. And, and yeah, Prince Controversy. I remember it being reported somewhere, maybe on the org or something. It's a bit um, bit odder, don't you think? Well, look at the cover. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's all dressed up to the nines. He's staring right at you. It's kind of awkward looking at that cover sometimes. <laughs> Who is that guy? <laughs> Who is that guy anyway? Yeah, private joy, sexuality. I can see that now. Anyway. Yeah, and Jack you off, of course. <laughs> it's the last song that did it, really. The icing on the cake. <laughs> or yeah. is it icing? No, let's get out of it. All right, gang. Get out of it. Get out of it. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I think we need a new host. What do you think? <laughs> Oh, a couple of shout-outs. Go for it. Shout-out to um, Butterscotch and Alexander Nevermind. Uh, some Prince Org fans that sent me some positive messages about the show, so thank you. Uh, shout-out to Nouveau Dance. Hello to you. I know there's a couple of songs on this album you really like, and I like. Okay. Nouveau Dance. Is he the, is he the Orga with the controversy picture? With Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I assume it's his face on there. But that's hilarious, that avatar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to Attitude Magazine from the UK. <laughs> oh, 
Shout out to everyone who's on our peachandblack.proboards.com forum. Everyone there. Everyone Shout out to everyone school. who isn't. Get on those forums. Get on there. Squirrel Grease, as always. I Jester 7. Hello to you. Shout out to uh, Andre Simone for composing such a beautiful ballad in track three. Do you, baby? <laughs> Thank you, Andre, for creating the classic Prince ballad. <laughs> Thank you for creating the classic Prince sound. <laughs> we should really get him on the show. I mean, I think he'd love that. To, just to set the story straight. Oh, hasn't he done it already? He can do the bit of the dance electric acoustic style. Why not? Chewy music. He's still out there. Victor, down in a hole, all the usual. <laughs> Stranger, Purple Thunder, 3121, Funkaholic, 1972. Funka what? Rigalb. Damn, we got some. We've got some good fans, I'm telling you. Cerebus, oh, there's a lot. The dedicated following to the Peach and Black stuff. And thank you also to all the people that send us um, either privately or publicly some, or all of that good feedback, like Tojo mentioned. Like, it's, um, it's, really, it's really good. And uh, although we enjoy doing it, you know, it's, it's good to get some... It some makes positive. it feel worthwhile when you hear them. So. Yeah. So, so that's all, always great. And um, yeah, by all means, if you've got any ideas or, uh, you know, the feedback doesn't always have to be great. If there's anything you guys want to get off your chest, that's fine. We'd be very interested to hear it. So, oh, yeah. and, and thanks to Chewy Music, he sent me some information about Novi Novog. Oh, really? So I haven't actually had a chance to have a look at it yet, but I'm going to do it very Probably tonight. So, thanks, Chewy Music. Cool. I'm going to have a look at that. The cool. mysterious Novi Novo. <laughs> Shelby. Big shout out to Shelby still. She's somewhere out there, isn't she? Somewhere here on Earth. And uh, maybe a shout out to Prince and the MPG. Hoping to see you in Australia soon. Sometime soon. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Ronnie. <laughs> Rest in peace, Ronnie. <laughs> you didn't get to talk to Prince in time, but don't worry. <laughs> oh, no. Shout out to Annie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Christian. Tourists. 89 flowers on their back. <laughs> <laughs> Inventors of the AccuJack. What? No flash again? <laughs> what an album. So, uh, that's it. That's the show, folks, I think. 30 years to the day. Incredible. It is pretty crazy to think that a guy 22, 23 years old, 30 years ago, came, came up, up with something that. like that. It's yeah. insane. When you look at any artist, that the first five or seven years is always like they really get all their ideas out on the table, and then they spend the rest of their career kind of just mining for gold. But most of the time, they don't hit it. You know, so I don't know why that is. It's like that Raymond Chandler quote I think I've used before: "The more, the more you reason, the less you create." It's I think that's got something to do with it. You know, like I reckon if Hendrix would have lived till forty or fifty, his material would have been like middle of the road. I think it's also with that. A lot of the time, it's just, you know, the artist is always expressing themselves. But when in the first few years, no one's ever heard it before. Mm. So, it's more that to the audience, it sounds completely new and fresh. But perhaps to the artist, that's just, that's just the way they hear music. Mm. And so, when they suddenly get this huge success, and then they continue on making music that to them is just as good as anything else. But to the public, it's no longer new and fresh anymore. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? Mm. Yeah. Like... The artist is just expressing themselves. So, like, Prince probably thinks his you know, later material, he probably has the same feelings Mindset. that he had mm. making it that he did when he made all these early albums. Mm. Because, you know, to him, that's what music should sound like in his, in his head. Like, all other, all other artists have a, you know, a mindset 
about what is good and what is not good music. Mm. So that probably hasn't changed. I kind of see what you mean, but maybe it also adds it adds the intensity of the fact that it's been around for thirty years makes it more. Um, yeah, it kind of feeds into what you were saying. Like it's it's so obvious to people now. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, controversy. Obviously, that's the jam. But he could come up with something structured really similar now today, and he and he probably has. When you look at like MPLS sound and all that, there are a couple of songs on there that are. Not replicas, but they're kind of going for the same kind of thing, but it just doesn't sound the same. Like, even No More Candy For You. Mm. Yeah. It's just, this is a different time, different place, probably. And it's like, why would you listen to that when you can listen to Controversy? So that's it. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs>